With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Mike. And, and this, this is Craft Root Sports. Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Craft Brood Sports. I'm Mike. With me, as always, my main man Scott. This is Craft Brood Sports. Where sports are key and the beer makes us pee. <laughs> Scott, what's going on, man? Not much. That was even lamer than we talked about. <laughs> oh, man. I'm doing good, Mike. Good, man. Good. <laughs> Solid. Well, you know, that's how we do it on Craft Brood Sports. We, uh, we just try to think of the dumbest show openers we could possibly do. And, and then uh, giggle at them. Yeah. Ourselves. We definitely Jimmy Fallon every single show opening. Oh, we, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing at our own shit. Did I actually write that? <laughs> and we've got a guest with us this week. Hell my, yeah, guest week. My, my main man, Glenn Pleasant, here on the show with us. What's up, Glenn? Nothing much. Nothing much. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Good, good. Glenn is one of my longtime best friends. Him and I uh, have literally, and this is how we always intro each other, known each other since the womb. Our mothers <laughs> met each other when they were pregnant. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yes, we have that. literally mm-hmm. known each other since before we were out of the womb. That's pretty cool. Do you guys have like cool, like, you know how like twins have like their own language and shit like that? Are you guys that close? <laughs> Not necessarily. Our own language is being dicks to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and we, laughing about it. Yeah. We, we never get offended at each other for being assholes. So I guess oh, we got Glenn, that. Glenn, you were going to fit in perfectly on this show. <laughs> yeah. So Glenn, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a background. Tell us what sports you're into and your, your favorite teams, all that kind of jazz. Well, Scott said, you know, I'm a boy from Toledo. From the womb to the tomb, as we say. Uh, <laughs> did nine years in the Air Force. Uh, oh, nice. Got out recently a couple of years ago. Moved to Columbus. Uh, police officer down there. And I love sports. Favorite teams, Atlanta Braves, Carolina Panthers. And I watch basketball. Um, okay. LeBron fan. I know a lot of nice. people hate LeBron. But uh, we have a saying, uh, a store in the military called AFES. Wherever you are, we go. So I'm like LeBron. Wherever he goes, I follow him. So you you were a Heat fan for a bit. Yeah, I'm a LeBron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect that. I can't deny the man, you know. Um, I, yeah, I think that's the way to do it. I think more people are like that, and they just yeah. are afraid to admit it. Like, yeah, they hate to put up a fight for her, you know, when the, when, the, <laughs> when the Heat gets on, and they're like, oh, no, fuck LeBron, no. <laughs> I, burned his, I burned his jersey. 
They don't want to sound contradictory. <laughs> so it's easier to just say, fuck them, <laughs> than to admit they're back in love. Like that man cares about you saying that. He's driving his kids to the game. So. <laughs> no longer his bike like he did when he was <laughs> Yeah, He's back in the Kia. Nice. So how do you uh, how you feel about the Braves this season, Glenn? You are you handling it? <laughs> you dick. All right. Well, I gotta know. He's a Braves fan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I gotta ask the man. Same <laughs> as the rest of the Braves <laughs> that, country. Yeah. Hey, real shitty. They make me drink, but you know I love my boys. <laughs> there, when people pop up, you're that's like, you're not a real fan. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. Damn it, gotta wow. be there for the down years. <laughs> Glenn listened to the first episode. That was the first episode that we busted that out. True fan. Hey, as they say, as they say, long time listener, first time caller here. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll sit back and listen <laughs> awesome man. well glenn well, likes to drink yeah. so uh he's on the right show and mike Whew, what man. are we drinking this week guys glenn you this is the perfect episode for you to be on because this week we have uh so let me preface this by saying this week the american homebrewers association released their survey results for the top beers of 2016 america's best beers they do a, a poll every year readers vote on it and then they uh, they release their findings. This year, for the eighth year in a row, the number one ranked beer in the United States was Russian River Pliny the Elder. Dun, da, da, da. And that's what we are rocking today. We have some Pliny the Elder. I had a, an order shipped in from a buddy in San Francisco. We fancy. I have never been more excited to open up a package in Big. my life. Like I was hitting refresh <laughs> on the FedEx tracking like, Every five minutes. That's like, pretty where fucking the hell is this at? I bet five-year-old you would argue about some Christmas present, <laughs> but I'm guessing you haven't been that excited in the last, like, ten years. Yeah. No, I don't know, man. Did this you is... have a 64 moment, you know? The I did have when a you opened it. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it was. <laughs> Just clawing at it. Oh my God, Pliny the Elder! Uh, for those of you that don't know, Pliny the Elder is a double IPA. It's brewed out in California, eight percent ABV. So this is a this is a big boy. You know, when you first told me about this beer, the first thing I thought was that sounds like the name of an elf, and I can't get it out of my head. Pliny the Elder <laughs> sounds like the name of an elf, and so I just feel like we're drinking elf an beer. elf brew. <laughs> Pliny the Elder. You know Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, here's a, a. I actually did some research on the beer to, you know, I figured a beer of this caliber, I should probably research it and intro it properly on the show. Um, it's actually named after a man named Pliny the Elder who lived in the first century. Uh, they estimate around 23 AD. Uh, he wrote, him and his contemporaries wrote about hops. So. Hops are obviously a big thing in IPAs, double IPAs, uh, so they decided to name it after him. Uh, he actually died in 79 AD trying to rescue people from Mount Vesuvius. So it's dedicated to uh, what sounds like a pretty cool dude. Y'all motherfuckers tuned in. A beer history You got a history lesson, yeah. I know, I know one listener who is like, yep, you got that right. Good work. Uh, shout like out I, to John in Detroit. That was for you, buddy. I feel like I should be pinky up with this beer. <laughs> this is the first beer that uh, we actually, I made everybody drink out of a glass. This isn't, uh, you know... He did. Right, he put a gun to our heads. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. He's like, you're drinking this out of a glass. Okay. Uh, just for some other news on that that survey that they released uh, on the best brews, Russian River, this this brewery that made Pliny the Elder, they actually had five beers top in on the top 50. Uh, so pretty good Is brewery. This- 
Is this a California brewery? Yes. That, you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You Santa Rosa, California. California. Okay. So they one. had Pliny at number one, Blind Pig IPA at number 27. They had two barrel-aged beers, uh, Consecration and Supplication, were tied for 29th and tied for 39th. And then Pliny the Younger, which is a triple IPA, came in at number 45. We actually had two Ohio beers on the list on the top 50, uh, considered two of the best beers in the country. Fathead's Headhunter IPA came in at number 34, and Great Lakes Edmund Fitzgerald Porter, number 44 on the I've list. I've still never had that beer. Well, sounds like we know what we're going to have <laughs> next <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah. Especially if the Cavs win uh, the championship, that would be a good ode to Cleveland with a little Great Lakes brew. So there you go, Cleveland fans, if uh, your Cavs pull it out. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna drink Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh, that's we're what gonna you, drink the beer named after a sunken ship. <laughs> that's what you've been waiting for, Cavs fan. Not that elusive championship. You've been waiting on us to drink a beer brewed in Cleveland. <laughs> Mike, let's upper deck it. All right, that sounds good to me. And leading off upper deck, a man not unfamiliar with leading off himself, Ichiro Suzuki, is now technically. The hit king in baseball. Uh, fuck you for saying it like that. <laughs> fuck you. Professional baseball when you combine his hits from Japan and his hits while he's been a major leaguer. It isn't really much of a record to count. I'm not really saying that he is the hit king, but leave it to Cincinnati's own Pete Rose to take exception <laughs> to anybody calling him the hit king before they even did. Pete made sure that he came out and immediately denounced the fact that he chose hit king. Uh, like always I said, count on Pete. Yeah, uh, always count on Pete to say something asinine. Look, nobody, I don't think, in their right mind, besides you know maybe some Japanese fans, and that's cool. You know, it's whatever. That Ichiro's their own, and I, I understand he's he's a great player and he's been a great major leaguer, and I'm glad that he has had the success he has. I like Ichiro as a player, but let's be honest, you can't count hits from Japan. Nope. Across this, you know, record and call it any type of hit king. They, you know, they can say. Hey, you know, they can always preface it and say he's got this record, but at the end of the day, it it's a major league hit record. That is true. And any hits he's should, he got over there shouldn't count. But Pete needs to keep his fucking mouth shut. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Look, I feel like you're being super hard on Pete with this. It's not like he like let out a press release that was like, no, fuck Ichiro, he's not the real hicking. I'm sure it was some reporter that like sent him a message or called him up and was like hey do you know Ichiro's about to break your record and he was like fuck you it's not the real record yeah but Pete had the opportunity to say nothing or be like oh well, it's it, it is what it is you know I'm the baseball hit king and he could have left it that but no Pete being Pete couldn't help himself I had to go in on it I had to make himself relevant and put himself out there and it's like we get it, Pete. That's fair. You want to be in the Hall of Fame, you want to, but you never do yourself any favors. Just shut the fuck up. I can't. I can't argue with that. That's a hundred percent true. But you did say uh, that Ichiro has the most combined in his professional career, right? Japan, yes, and which that, is super impressive. That is not correct. What? Because if you count Pete Rose's minor league, which is considered professional, because you get paid. He's got 4,683. Oh, if you could see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, got, to defend his, got to defend his man. Uh, out here caping for Pete Rose. <laughs> uh, yes, I am caping for Pete Rose, and thank you for telling me what that term means earlier this week. <laughs> anyway, next let's up, move on. Next up in Upper Deck, uh, we did this story a couple weeks ago. Art Bryles, after being let go by Baylor, 
Just to update you on that, even though Baylor has dismissed him, Art Bryles is now accusing the university of wrongful termination and uh, looking to sue Baylor. So that story's not going away anytime soon. Well, except uh, for the update that they also they settled today. Oh, they did settle today. Yes, they settled. They he had said, "Hey, this isn't right, and if you don't, you know, give me a reason and show me all of this investigative stuff that you went over, I'm going to sue you for X amount of dollars." And it was then, forty million, right? He was trying to get yeah. 40. And then today, Baylor and him settled out of court, and so they're done. Oh, okay. And so, he shuts anybody up, you know? Yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. I, I mean, Throw it at the problem, and they go away. Yeah, yesterday <laughs> it seemed like he was going to stand his ground, and he had. A legitimate argument that they were putting him into the fall guy and if they didn't give a real reason for why they were letting him go I, I could see where he, he could say it but at the end of the day yeah money apparently spoke volumes <laughs> Either, I was like everybody else was like all right well fine that's a big enough number I guess I'll go away either that or he did see the investigative stuff and was like oh fuck okay well you think he's let's gotta settle. know no, from, let's go ahead and settle yeah so you think he's gotta know <laughs> As, he knows what he knows, so yeah. you would think that... There's no way he doesn't know. Yeah, and I mean, you'd think that he would know that they knew a certain amount, so I would hope that it wouldn't... I, I, I almost respect him more if he was just like, eh, that's too much money to say no to, so eh, well, <laughs> I guess I'll see you guys later. Fight the good fight, but I'm out. All right, well, I apologize for not being up-to-date on that story. No, it's all good. That came was out up to date. I spent a lot of the day watching OJ, so I have no idea what happened Ooh, in the world today. You want to get <laughs> to dun, OJ? Dun, dun. Teaser! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. In the NHL, oh, God, after we just talked about it, the NHL is expanding, which is stupid. But <laughs> not only is it stupid, it's downright ridiculous because where are they expanding? Las Vegas. They're finally getting a chance at a pro team. It's because the NHL settled on Las Vegas' new expansion site. And the city is going to get together five million dollars, and if they can do or five hundred million dollars, and if they can do that, they're going to get themselves an NHL team. The earliest that they could have this team is the 2017-2018 season. But for the love of God, what is the NHL doing? Haven't they learned their lesson with Phoenix and Atlanta and any other warm weather city? Apparently not. That's a weird city too to have a, a hockey team. There's, I, I mean, I don't. If I'm going to Vegas, I'm not going to be like, hey, well, I'm here. Let me catch a hockey game. Like I just don't. True, true. It's just a weird idea to have NHL there. It's at least a pro team. Like football, you could be like, well, I'll, yeah, I'd go catch any game. But you got to look at the investment. If they put hockey there, they could, when they leave, you have a football team that can move right into the stadium. That's true. I mean, well, this is apparently this is going in the new T-Mobile Center that they just recently built okay. uh, just off the strip, which I, I just want to uh, – what's the over-under on how long until somebody – is is caught with a hooker in oh, Vegas? Oh, <laughs> some some visiting team to <laughs> to the visiting team Vegas. Yeah, it's true. Home the, team won't even home get team. mini camps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen. I, this is dumb. I you know I don't. We talked about it on the hockey show. I don't understand expansion. One is unnecessary, and two in the desert. Nobody thinks hockey in the desert. Nobody's in. in Gambling, it up, man. gambling on hockey can't be that big, and gambling no. on a local team can't. Probably gambling on hockey has to be the most frustrating thing to watch ever. Like that's yeah. got to be between super hockey, frustrating. Between hockey and baseball, I'd say those are probably the two hardest sports to nail down. Yeah, yeah, very true. 
That's crazy. So how long do you think it's going to be before they either fold that team or move to a different city? So Atlanta got, what, seven years? I'd Somewhere say five to seven. That's yeah, right. I'm going to say less than a decade. Less than Let's, a decade. Uh, yeah. right. Between five to ten years, and I'd, <laughs> I'd imagine that they're moving on elsewhere. Yeah. Probably to somewhere up in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's do a little beer news. We were talking about the uh, National Homebrewers Association. They just wrapped up their conference last weekend in Baltimore, and every year they do a national homebrew competition. This year there were 7,962 entries into the homebrew competition, 3,396 different people who brew this stuff in their garage or backyards or whatever, representing all 50 states, Washington, D.C., and 13 different countries. The final round, there were 1,074 entries that were judged, and uh, some guy from California, Nick Corona, he won the beer division. With, with a his, name like that, he right. got to, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> in his DNA. He won it with his Weiss beer. Um, oh, so. not his Mexican brew? Okay, no, he didn't. Right. <laughs> he should have been down. What a missed opportunity. I feel like that's such a weird beer to go after as a home brewer. Like maybe that's why you want it, like a, a wheat beer. To that's that's your what garage? you're going for. Yeah, that's yeah. a tough brew to make good as a professional, let yeah. alone a home brewer. So uh, that's the winner. Um, there you go. That's the home brew competition. Already, <laughs> <laughs> slow beer news week this week. <laughs> no Mortal Kombat ales <laughs> nope. this week. No, nope. no LSU beers. Nothing fun like that. Just some dude in Cal in California made a wheat beer that everybody liked. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to hockey, the uh, Penguins, as you all know by now, won the uh, Stanley Cup. It's their fourth Stanley Cup in the history, and even though they couldn't uh, pull it off at home, they did win in six games, as I predicted. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I didn't predict, and what uh, most people didn't predict, would be that um, Sidney Crosby would win the freaking MVP. Uh, didn't understand that whatsoever. The man didn't have a single goal. I understand his importance to the team, but for God's sakes, Phil Kessel had an amazing series, and it made no sense to me. That yeah, Sidney Crosby won the MVP. I don't get that either. I know, I know Alex asked us who we would have picked for the MVP, and I didn't have an answer for Pittsburgh because they—I mean—they they were a legit strong team that entire series. Yeah, there but wasn't Kessel any. Was Kessel was fantastic, but there wasn't any one player that I watched that I was like, well, hands down, it's that guy. Like, they spread out the goals. There was a lot of assists coming from a lot of different plays. I, had, I don't know. It was, it was a hard team from an outside, from a non, like, dedicated hockey fan to look at. It was hard for me to be like, that's the guy that 100% took it for me. See, I thought Kessel played lights out. It was obvious that it, to me that he should have won it. And, you know, I, I, you can always argue that. Sidney Crosby is the best team or best player on the team because he's one of the best players in the league. That's fine, but sometimes they don't play the best in a certain series. I mean, it just didn't make sense to me that he ended up being the one to raise the trophy as far as the MVP. Sidney maybe Crosby they won. gave it. Maybe they gave it to Crosby for his excellent effort at trying to grow a good beard. <laughs> is it an excellent effort? Have you seen? I it? mean, he tried hard. That's just the wow. best he could do. With, as somebody who also struggles growing good facial hair, <laughs> I was appreciative of Sidney Crosby's effort. It's like that, your heart strength. Right there. <laughs> Fair enough. But congrats to the uh, Penguins yep. on another Stanley Cup title. And, and congrats to series. Scott for predicting it correctly uh, and beating me in that one. So. Good for you, you dick. I'm <laughs> <a champion. laughs> 
another championship story. Last story of Upper Deck here this week. NBA Finals update for everybody. The Cavs force a game seven. Woo! We, Nobody we, saw uh, that coming. No, we thought we pretty much counted them out when they were down three one. As a matter of fact, when we were planning this week's episode, we were like, "Well, that should be wrapped up by the time we uh, <laughs> we record the episode." So we got a beer coming from California that ties in nicely. We'll just make it our ode to Golden State. And, uh, surprise! Rem- surprise! <laughs> yep. And then <laughs> hit that Charlie Murphy. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland decides that they, they want to realize that there is a series going on and uh, force it to Game 7. So uh, NBA Finals will be determined tonight if you're listening to this on Sunday, if you're listening to it afterwards. Uh, you already you know can, the winner, so fuck yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll figure out how dumb we are when we start talking about who's going to win the series. So that's the upper deck this week. Scott, who's, uh, who's your pick to win it? God, this one's tough. This going in, I thought Warriors in six, and they didn't win it in Game Six, and because of the way the series went, and now you know Cleveland has won two straight to tie things up. It's it's tough to say. I don't know. The Warriors haven't looked right since they went up three one, and with everything that's gone on. I'd like to pick Cleveland. I want Cleveland to win, but there's just something about it being in Oakland yeah. that makes it tough for me to pick Cleveland. But I will say this is the least confident that I'd have to say I was about picking the Warriors at any series, at any point, any series in this playoff year. So I think that the Warriors will win, but I so don't think it's going to be by a lot. Your head is saying Warriors. Yes. But your heart really wants Cleveland to win it. I mean, I'm not going to lose sleep if Cleveland doesn't win it. But I, I, I do think that it would be nice for Cleveland to win it. I would like to see Cleveland win it. You know, it, and it just just for the story. I, yeah. I, I just, I just think it would it would be an incredible story, and I, I would like to see LeBron get one for Cleveland. And I just don't think that they're going to. I think they're going to come up just short. I don't think that's going to be a blowout, but I do think the Warriors will win by a slim margin. Glenn, I would ask you, but I, I think I know your answer to this question. LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Cleveland might pull it out. Um, like Scott said, it's been an interesting series, to say the least. It really has. Back-to-back 41-point 41, 41 games is impressive. That's crazy. Um, I think the X factor for Cleveland will be if Kevin Love shows up. If Kevin Love shows up and produces, then they got it. But, like, Oakland's hard to play in. That's – See, I don't think Kevin Love is – I don't think he's as big of a factor. I mean, he wasn't – he wasn't a factor in game six. He was a a non-factor there. Um, And I think with Bogut out, you don't necessarily need Kevin Love to have as big of a game to carry the team. That is true, but I think if he puts the points up, that's going to cover – Golden State coming out firing. Yeah, well – That's what I'm looking at. You're 100% right there. There's got to be something – it's a lot Cleveland. of subtle storylines. You, you in this can't game have seven. Kyrie and LeBron doing everything in Game Seven. That's true. They got to have some help. Well, look. Let's just put it out there. Kevin Love is capable of being a guy that goes off, and you wouldn't be like super shocked. You'd be shocked in the context of this series and maybe this playoffs because he hasn't played to what he's capable of, and maybe it's the team structure, maybe it isn't. But he is capable of having a big night. And for him to be, if he was to be the X Factor, like Glenn said, 
it would it would completely decimate anything that the Warriors have going, and it would be the reason that you know the the Cavs could win running away. If they win in a blowout, it's going to be because Kevin Love yeah. has finally figured it out, and they've gotten him involved, and he's done what he's capable of doing. But I, again, I don't think that they're going to win. And if they do win, I think. Whoever wins this game, I think it's going to be close. I don't think you're going to see no, a agree. blowout in game seven either no, way. No, no, it's all on the line. Yeah, so Everything. I think, no I think that means that Love ends up not being as much of a factor as he, he could potentially be. I think he'll be just what he's been this whole series, which you take what you get and hope it's good enough. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I really, I really want Cleveland to win. I really want them to pull this off. I think they're in the Warriors' heads at this point. Like, I've never seen Steph Curry get that frazzled as he did in game six. Like, to see him get that last foul and then throw his mouthpiece and, like, freak out, I'm like, man, they're, they got him shook. Mm-hmm. Like, they are in their heads right now. They're definitely and I think, tight. And I think it all started when Draymond was suspended for game five. I think that took the Warriors out of things. They were like, what the fuck is going on here? And uh, I know people are going to claim that, you know, they're cheating, they're, they're rigging the system for the Cavs or the ratings or whatever. But I think that – I think Green being out for game five started everything because the Warriors were cruising. And then as soon as that came down, it was like, what the fuck are we going to do now? Because Draymond Green was the – he was the X factor for Golden State That's in those true. first That's four true. games. He was the, the difference maker. I mean, you got – Steph and Clay were not up to their potential in the first few games there. And Draymond was the reason why Golden State was doing as well as they were doing. And then with him out, they were struggling to, to almost find an identity again. I think, uh, I think after that, they've just been in a spiral. And I think Cleveland might – look, it's, it's got to be really tough to be Golden State. I was just trying to look it up. I think they lost their fourth game of the season, like January 12th. That's unheard of. It is, it is. Um, well, and they've already lost more games in the playoffs than they did during the season. <laughs> Right. Like, all of the playoffs. That's kind of insane. And when you think of the fact that Cleveland has three of them, that's definitely got to mess with them mentally a little yeah. bit. That they probably felt coming into this series that they were going to win relatively easy. Then they go up 3-1, and they're thinking, well, it's just a matter of semantics. All of a sudden, they're tied, and it comes down to this one game. Problem is, it's at... It's at Oakland. Yeah. So, so, I mean, as much as I'd like to see Cleveland win, I mean, it's just it's hard to overcome having them having the MVP, them having home court. I would, I, I think that the home court is what's going to separate it. If this was in Cleveland, I'd feel like Cleveland would win. But because it's in Oakland, I feel like that that's just going to be just that little bit to push the Warriors over the edge. Yeah, home court's a big advantage. I think uh, if Cleveland does win, it'll cement LeBron going in there. Oh, absolutely. It'll add to his legacy so much more. Well, it'll um, completely validate everything that he's done, and, and everybody can pretty much shut up at that point. Yeah. MVP for both teams, leading every, <laughs> every statistical category. So He has. I mean, uh, I don't. Uh, they've never done an MVP for the, like, the losing <laughs> team. The, the losing team has never won the MVP, but it's hard not to say LeBron is the MVP of this finals. I think the last two games also we've gotten that – killer instinct that everybody has been yearning for from LeBron. Not passing it as much. Yeah. Going to the hole. He gotten in that Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant mindset where it's like screw everybody else. I'm taking over. 
give me the ball. Yeah. And like I heard earlier, once his jump shot starts going in, then the rest of everything falls in place. Yeah, that's true. So once he starts hitting them jumpers, he knows he can run over anybody in the league. So. Yeah, his jump shot is kind of like the Kevin Love uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> if his jump shot gets going, uh, it's over. If Kevin Love gets going, you've got a great chance to win. You're probably going to. It's just a matter of if those things are going to happen. So you hope, if you're a Cavs fan, that LeBron starts that early. And then, you know, you feel like you've got a great chance. But I think both teams are going to have a great chance coming down the wire anyway. It's just going to be one one or two things here and there. And then, you know, I hate to say it, but with them, with the Warriors having a home court advantage, you worry about the refs. That's it. I mean, it's just human nature. It's just human nature that they're going to uh, lean a little bit more towards the the home team. I mean, it just happens. They see the media. And I don't think there's any. Yeah, I don't think there's any controversy. I don't think there's any conspiracy. I, I don't believe in that bullshit. But I just think it's human nature that home teams just get more calls. It's it's just that's how it goes. Well, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because after game six, uh, Steve Kerr got himself a nice $25,000 fine for pocket change. talking yeah. about the refs. Yeah, I'd talk about the refs if I was making that much. But what he said was what kind of set it off for me, and I'm trying to dig up the quote real quick, but basically the gist of it was, uh, here it is, here's the quote. He said, let me be clear. We did not lose because of the officiating. They totally outplayed us, and Cleveland deserved a win. But those three of the six fouls were incredibly inappropriate calls for anybody, much less the MVP of the league. So Steve Kerr basically, in his post-game comments, said, hey, you need to be easier on Steph because he's the MVP of the league. I find that funny. How uh, the fuck? And th- at the same time, the beginning of the series, Golden State fans are bitching that LeBron is like crying for fouls. No, and easy. You- Kerr played for Jordan. <laughs> that man's the MVP. He better be getting those calls too. I, I just, mean- I can't believe a coach would say that. Like you're, he pointed it out. You know, uh, yeah. I think it's true. Um, you do hear it in other leagues too. Um, I've heard of young quarterbacks getting hit late, and not getting that call, and they go, "You're not old enough for that yet." <laughs> what the so, blatant, blatant Cam Newton reference, <laughs> right there. You're not the old Panthers enough for that. Fan. You're not old enough for that, young blood. So, which is ludicrous. You'd like a foul's a foul. I don't care what yeah. size you are. Um, it's a foul. Yeah, for them to say LeBron doesn't get calls because he's too big. It's like, how the fuck are you? Not it's gonna... not my fault that you're, you know, yeah. three inches smaller than me and forty pounds lighter than me. But that's the get thing out the I'm, way. That's the thing I'm saying. It comes down to human nature. Some of those times when LeBron gets hacked. It comes off as not as big of a deal because he is so big. And you've seen him do it multiple times. And should it be called? Absolutely. By the letter of the law and the rule book, that's what it says. But sometimes these refs see things, and when you're leaving it up to them to make certain calls, it just, they go with how they feel. And, you know, some of these guys get calls because of who they are as a player, superstar and otherwise. And, that's just human nature. I'll just go on. A, I'll say it right now. I the NBA is borderline unwatchable for me anymore, just because I it, everything either everything's a call or they don't call anything. Like games are so ridiculous anymore that it's hard to watch as a as a fan sitting there watching. It's like how how do you not call that a foul or how the fuck do you call that a foul? Like there, I just feel like they're so 
all over the board. They're still trying to find their identity in this day and age. Um, I missed the NBA back in the day. Hard play. <laughs> you know, your Detroit boys yanking the heads off and all that. You knew uh, that's a foul, but you know, we'll let you keep playing. <laughs> well, in that, in that era, though, it was known that was going to be okay, and they refereed things just straight across the board. It felt like now it seems game to game, moment to moment. You have no idea how the refs are going to call the game, whether or not they're going to let them play. I mean, these playoffs – I've seen things that during the regular season would have been called hands down. They've let them play. And it's tough as a fan, you know, Mike's saying he's a casual fan. It's tough for the casual fan to watch and not know from game to game or, okay, this is the playoffs versus the regular season, so I guess they're going to let them play this game, and I'm going to like that a little bit more. And then you watch it, and then they call things ticky-tack. Then the next game you're watching it, and – all of a sudden, they're letting them play. It, I mean, it's tough to be able to watch the NBA and get on board with it when you don't know what you're going to get game to game from the fucking refs. It's not, it's not even that either. Like, I don't even know. There are times during the course of a game where they'll call a foul and, like, somebody – then they allow continuation. Then sometimes it's like, no, that's not continuation. It's like, well, what the fuck? Like, can I get a definition, please, on – when they're allowed to take an extra 10 <laughs> steps after they're fouled and put in the layup to get the and one call. Like, or when is it, oh, he got fouled three seconds after he let go of the ball, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a foul. It's, no, it's not. The ball was already gone, man. How the fuck are you going to call that a foul? Speaking they, of which, this week, sorry to go on a random tangent. No, but please do. On that topic, on Shaq the Fool, his Shaq Shaquille's <laughs> uh, little segment that he has on TNT, this week he did where um, he showed all of the r- ridiculous non-travel calls. Mm. <laughs> and literally there was like 10 different guys that he showed, one of them being Steph Curry. His was the worst in my opinion. The ref is standing right there in front of him looking at his feet. And they had a step counter on it. Like how nine long steps, I yeah, think. And, I've seen I, that. Say, and, and Curry had like 10 steps. And I'm looking at these things. And it blows my mind how they – these aren't called. They're right there. Can somebody send that video to Steph Curry's wife so that she can shut the <laughs> fuck up on Twitter? <laughs> she had her Dallas Latos moment after that game. Oh, God. <laughs> Instantly oh. delete. <laughs> I didn't say that. And that was funny because I got a message from a friend, uh, Kyle Smith out there, about that Aisha Curry tweet. <laughs> And it was from Le'Veon Bell. He was like, he took a moment to stop hitting the blunt to say, <laughs> if the NBA was rigged when Golden State came back from OKC down three, nobody said it then. But now it's rigged. LOL. Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's definitely true. I, yeah, I don't know how you could. First of all, I don't think any professional sport is rigged. I think the athlete, there, there would be way too many people that are involved in the conspiracy that would yeah. know it's rigged. Like, my dad still to this day believes that the NFL is rigged and that they don't have practices, that they're going through the script each week. Like that's <laughs> what their practices are. That's my dad. And he wholeheartedly believes that every game that's, like, controversial, he's like, fuck, yeah, that was in the script this week. And, like, he believes it 100%. There is no way that out of all of these athletes that have gone through the pros that they would be able to keep their mouth shut this long. Like it would have leaked out at some point that things are rigged or that there's a script or whatever. This isn't the WWE. I think it's Yeah, no, it, there's too much money involved and everything and no no professional sport is rigged, but I understand 
where people get these crazy thoughts. I get from, it too, but not when your not when your husband plays in the league. Oh like, well, <laughs> spouses just need to shut the hell up. Families have got, they've got too involved. Too Families involved. It's too much Unreal. now. Unreal. Unreal to me. So here's the deal, though. We're going to Game Seven. Cleveland has a chance to win this game and become the the champions for 2016. It would be the biggest comeback in NBA Finals history. Nobody's ever come down from 3-1. As a matter of fact, only three teams have even forced a game seven after being down 3-1 in the finals. So that being said, they could win and become the champions. So we asked this question today on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for all of the responses. But who are the best teams, any sport, any year, to not win a title? So, Scott, who's your pick for the best team to not win a title? Um, I had a couple when we were doing this, and we talked about a lot that uh, aligned with some of the answers we got. Um, but two stood out for my money. One was the 2001 Seattle Mariners, <laughs> who won 116 games and then ended up, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, getting swept by or close to swept by the Yankees in the second round of the playoffs. So I guess it was the ALCS, but they came up short after winning 116 games, which is still a record that nobody remembers. And I had the conversation with some people at work. It made me want to go back and look at the roster. And the roster, just by names alone, well, it's stacked for what it was, but there are not a lot of names that people remember just from, you know, a lineup of all-stars. They had a lot of guys that you've heard of, but nobody that you would think, oh, why? That, that, that'd be why. Especially when you looked at their pitching rotation. It wasn't a, a, a lineup of 20-game winners or 15-time Cy Young guys. It was just a, guy, a team of guys that all had like 15 wins, and they won consistently throughout that entire year, but then dropped the ball. Footnote in history. <laughs> Footnote in history. You know what I think was the turning point in that season for uh – the, the 2001 Mariners, when they gave up the lead to the Indians in, like, the seventh inning. They were up by, like, 14 or something like that in the seventh inning and then blew that game. Yeah. I will never forget that. That was back when I was an Indians fan. <laughs> and, I thought you were going to say something about, oh, it's the fact that they had each row and uh, the real, <laughs> that's the, he wasn't the real hit king. That was, like, his uh, inaugural season. And, uh, it all started from back then. Nope. No. Nope. And then as a homer, uh, the other team that stuck out to me and – only Braves fans are going to know this, but the 97 Braves, everybody nope, knows. Not, not just the 97 Braves. How about the 90s Braves for us? <laughs> hey, that was, the, I'm honing in on one because I was going to say at all of all the teams, I feel like that 97 team was actually the best, even possibly better than the one that won in 95 because they had Denny Nagel that year, and they, he was their fourth starter. So they had the big three that everybody knew of, Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox. And then they added Denny Nagel, and that year they were on a tear. And I'm pretty sure Denny Nagel won 20 games, um, and I, he finished close to winning the Cy Young. So you had your, your fourth starter winning 20 games, close to winning Cy Young. You think if your fourth start is doing that, there's no way you would lose and not at least get to the World Series. Well, they ran into fucking Levon Hernandez that year, who decided he was going to have the most amazing playoff series ever against them, and then they ended up carrying that through to win the World Series. There's zero doubt in my mind that had they gotten past the Mar Marlins that year, they would have beat the Indians again. 
to have a World Series. That would have been their third World Series appearance in a row and the second time beating the Indians for a World Series title yeah. within three years. Classic. But that team, to me, was one of the best Braves teams that didn't even make it to the World Series, for Christ. It's sakes. funny you bring that, that year up because there were a couple people on Facebook. Uh, a friend of mine, Mike, who's a, a big-time Indians fan, he referenced the 97 Indians as one of the teams that are one of the best teams to not win a title. Same sort of thing for the Indians that year. I mean, you're talking about their second trip to the World Series in three years. Oh, Jose up. Mesa fucking ruined it. Jose Taylor. And they replayed that on Believe Land, I believe. <laughs> they sure did. Uh, my heart bled for every Cleveland fan watching Believe Land. That was brutal to watch. But the funny part about that is I actually think that 95 team was better than the 97 team, and they ran up against I the Braves right. that year. The yeah. 95 team was stacked. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, they were Carlos Baerga and Albert Bell and Kenny Lofton Jim and Jeff Tomei. Tomei. I mean, yeah. yeah, you could just keep running Roberto the names Roberto Alomar. Off. Yeah, it was It was Alomar brother, loaded. I should say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was the end of uh, Murphy or Murray. <laughs> Murphy. Murray, Eddie Murray's <laughs> career, uh, you know, at, in the big leagues. And it, it was stacked when you looked at the I, I don't know really how the Braves actually won that one. Again, same, because it's at Cleveland, all those man, teams. and that's yeah, just how yeah. it works for that's, Cleveland. That's true. <laughs> that, but that that was one of the best teams to not win at all, too, was that 95 Indians team. Yeah, they, they were definitely up there. Glenn, who's your pick for the best team? Um, I'm going to go with a recent one, the 2012 Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, okay. They had their own little big three, and then you got Harden, Westbrook, and Durant. But you know, they ran into Miami that year. Yeah. We had the Fab. 12 or 13. <laughs> you got Jawan Howard sitting on the bench coaching and getting paid as a player. But when you look back, you got to think they had those three and look where they're at now. That's a good point. Like was those it, three, if you – And then you got to throw in Sergio Baca. Who's, was that the last year Harden was in? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. did they break up the band of the – Yeah. yeah. You got to figure any other time you have those three together, like and Harden that's almost to, a sure thing. Harden wanted to stay. He wasn't expecting to leave till he got that call saying, uh, we traded you to Houston. Bye-bye. <laughs> that is tough, man. What about you, Mike? What do you got? I uh, I went with a homer pick. Uh, I went with the 93 Notre Dame Fighting Irish for, for my best team that didn't win. Notre Dame, that year, they had an emotional game, beat Florida State. Notre Dame was number two. Florida State was number one. They beat Florida State at home, stopped Charlie Ward on a, a fourth down pass, broke it up in the end zone to win the game, become number one. The next week, they play Boston College and lose to Boston College. And then they finished the season with one loss, but this was back before even the BCS era. Uh, Florida State played their bowl game. Notre Dame played their bowl game. Both of them win. Florida State ends up winning the national title. Notre Dame finishes number two. Oh, it's just so, some bullshit technicality. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't play for it. They both won separate bowl your, games. Yeah, your favorite back when college yeah, football God. was. <laughs> but, it, I mean, if you, if you look at it objectively, Florida State that year lost to the number two team on the road and Notre Dame lost to unranked Boston College. So when you compare who had a worse loss, yeah, Notre Dame did have a worse loss in that season. They just fell victim to a trap game, and uh, it's haunted me ever since. That was, that was the first time I saw my dad cry, was Notre Dame losing to Boston College that year. Well, and that just shows how shitty that system was, and what frustrates me most about college football is <laughs> you get down to those last two things, and you say, all right, here's this loss, and here's this loss, and yes – uh, there's no denying that in that situation, Notre Dame's loss is worse. But if that's the case, and they both have one loss, and the one loss for Florida State was head-to-head, 
they should have just been like, all right, you two play again. And whoever yeah. wins this game <laughs> wins it all. Duke but it instead, out. it was just like, oh, well, we got this poll. And, oh, <laughs> you're national was, champion based off this. That was so horrible. God. That was, you knew if you lost uh, in your first couple weeks of the season, it was over. It was done, you. yeah. Yeah, that's oh, what Scott are you playing I, for? There we go. That was the I'm playing for my draft stock right birth now. Birth <laughs> of this podcast was Scott and I's debates over the bowl system and the BCS. Oh, that's what started the idea of us needing to have a podcast was us debating college football and Scott's claim that it's completely ridiculous. Now I will say that it's gotten better since they did what? Added a got a playoff system and nobody can deny. I can't. And I, I will say, as a college football fan who is against the playoffs, because I wanted that of course tradition. Well, I liked. It. I liked that it was different. I liked that there were bowl and games, I and it wasn't your argument for yeah. why it was different. It was unique, but it was stupid. And not only that, here's the other thing. And this was the the argument I always went back to. The NCAA has never recognized the national championship in Division One A or FBS or whatever you want to call it. There's never been an NCAA national champion. It's always been the BCS national champion or the AP national champion. So why change it if it still the NCAA still doesn't recognize that? It's not that's why the trophy is different. Like if you look at every other NCAA sport, the they have the same trophy. Football, you get the crystal ball or whatever the weird trophy the golden is now spear. the doctor. Yeah. It looks like the NBA trophy yeah, it does. the bottom half yeah. of it without the ball on top. There we go. But that's that's why it's never it wasn't meant to you know, determine there wasn't that wasn't the point of college football. Whatever, that's a we'll we'll talk about that in another episode. Getting getting worked up there. This plenty's starting to hit a little <laughs> bit. <too> so. <laughs> Gonna bring up old wounds so, between the two of us. So let's go to some Facebook comments. Steinman, uh, he's a uh, local dude, super funny guy. You can hear him on WEBN here in Cincinnati. He says the 88 Bengals. That was his first. He gave a lot of answers to this question, all Cincinnati-related, just pointing that out. (laughs) But his first response was the 88 Bengals, Um, which, you know, that Scott, that's a team that you were glad that they're one of the best teams to not win. Yeah, championship. Sorry, the, dri- <laughs> the drive. <laughs> yeah, I got a second of that from a guy at work. Big Bengals fan. He said the '88 Bengals. The '88 Bengals. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize what went on that in that Super Bowl, but they had a running back, Stanley Wilson, who got coked up the night before the Super Bowl. He went on a bender. They didn't even find him until the day after the Super Good. Bowl. So he had an extreme Michael Irvin moment there. As a, it's such a Cincinnati way to lose a Super Bowl. <laughs> Your running back was coked up? <laughs> yep. I guess, the he, I guess he told everybody, he was like, oh, I left my playbook in the, in the room. I got to go get my playbook. And then his position coach found him in the bathroom with cocaine all around him. <laughs> and then they were like, dude, you can't do that. The Super Bowl is tomorrow. And he was like, yeah, no, I got it. And then he was missing. <laughs> Gone a you couldn't better. wait two more fucking <laughs> days. It's the way of the bank. Right. up out of your mind yeah, exactly. until after the Super Bowl. Think about how much free coke he would have yeah. gotten if you won the Super Bowl. <laughs> nope. Well, gotta Ty- do this now. At a Tyrone Biggums right moment. <laughs> <laughs> Rubbing his gums with it and shit. <laughs> what a loser. I think an overwhelming one, this, this one came up a lot, was the, uh, the 07 Patriots. Yes. They were, yes. My yeah. boy Mike Mattingly said that that he was one of the first people to respond. Uh, a lot of people said the uh, 
the Miami team that did that came up short against Ohio State in 2002 in the oh, uh, yeah. Fiesta Bowl. That was which is insane to me. One of, uh, that's one of those ones that I still can't understand when I look back at it. I remember rooting for Ohio State. Because that was before Ohio State fans became insufferable, <laughs> and that's it, what made Ohio State fans it did. insufferable. No, it was, was. That after game. that they all became assholes for the most part. And I live in Columbus. So <laughs> I every day. I'm gotta a Buckeyes fan, but I'm. <laughs> you I can watch football. Distance. Yeah, I can watch football. But that Miami team was so stacked. There they were, were so many NFL guys on Willis that team. Willis McGahey. You had Ken Dorsey. Yes, you had uh, Kellen Winslow before he went yeah. completely off the rails. The soldier. Yes. Uh, before he got caught masturbating in a uh, Target parking lot, for Christ's sakes. Holy shit, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, no, that, I didn't forget about that. Shout out to the soldier. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, but the, the NFL guys on that team were, you know, it was sick. And I, I still everybody's going to, you know, say, well, it was a phantom call and blah, blah, blah. I, You know, I still think it was a shitty call myself, but. The fact that they were even in position, you should, yeah, yeah, to to, to have that happen, like they should have ran them off the there. field. Yeah. I know, I know, the Buckeyes had Maurice Claret that year, but, but. that was all they <laughs> really yeah. had. I yeah. mean, there was no reason, and and that's the that is the one thing I will give Ohio State fans credit for. They will tell you we didn't deserve to be on the same field as Miami that year. That yes. they will admit that they were huge underdogs. They were rightfully so huge underdogs, and. Uh, Holy shit, yeah. That was a brutal. As, as somebody who does not like Ohio State, I remember my high school girlfriend at the time was a huge Ohio State fan. I was like, oh, I want Miami to win this game so bad. <laughs> and then I had to listen to her. I broke up with her because of that game. I knew that was going to be the next comment that you broke up with. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't take it. I was like, I'm sick of this. God damn college homers. <laughs> Breaking up with people over shit like that. I can't say that I wouldn't break up with somebody if they're a Yankees fan, but, you know, it's whatever. Well, I mean, I'm in high school. I didn't. You know, it's whatever. Much it dumber. What it is. <laughs> Much more impressionable. Uh, my buddy uh, Spielman says the uh, USC team that lost to Texas. Now, that game was so ridiculously awesome. That's probably Great the game best. Great game to watch. It may yeah, be the, the best Rose Bowl ever. Yeah. Be- best college football Gotta game say, I've yeah. ever watched, Really period. good game. Yeah. So there were, both teams were equally incredible. But, yes, the USC, whoever lost, either team that would have lost, you would be like, well, they were one of the best teams to yep. not win it because both teams were stacked with NFL guys, stacked with household names, and it, somebody had to lose, so somebody was going to be the team that, you know. As a Notre Dame fan, I felt very validated to see Vince Young beat USC that year because that was the year of the Bush push. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking, it's crazy was... to see that on replay. I know, especially it, during the thirty for thirty. Yeah, it You're was like, great to see that man fucking thing again. Just open and again, old wounds. And again. Yeah, I, never, I never saw anything. <laughs> you I saw son Bush of a bitch. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he averted his eyes. Bush, I didn't avert my eyes. I was watching was... the whole thing. Bush got into the end zone. I don't know what else you want to say? Yeah, he shouldn't have gotten in the end zone, <laughs> but he did because he was. Wasn't fucking holding the ball. Anyways, you, you weren't stopping was liner with the <laughs> ball. I see how, I see how criminals think firsthand. That's not drugs there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, let's see. Who else we got? Uh, Steinman again. He came up with the 86 Browns. Said if it only weren't for that John Elway guy. Uh, I think that was, that's the year of the drive, right? Yes. 86. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's Yeah, that's a tough one. And then again for the fumble. 
Poor Browns fans. They had yeah, some, and after watching Believeland, oh, God, I felt so crying, bad for Ernest Biner. Man. He was so devastated, and he had the game of his life in that one moment defined basically his entire career. Yeah. And you have the game of your life, and then, you know, you fumble. You want to be able to say, well, shit, what else was I supposed to do? But you could just tell he still hurts from that Dude, moment. Dude, he looked at the camera, tears in his eyes, and was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's brutal. That, so that is brutal. brutal. Oh, my God. That's a, Yeah, those are rough ones. Our, our buddy Jim, friend of the show, uh, said this year's Washington Capitals. Now, I will say... I'm not super familiar with how well they played this year. I did see some numbers, and I knew that they were playing insanely well, and I actually had picked them to beat the Penguins in the uh, series that they played in the playoffs because of how well they played this year. But I went back and looked at it, and I didn't realize how good they were. And, yeah, that is essentially another choke job by uh, You know, Vetchkin would have scored a goal, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as good as Crosby's been and as good as he's been during the regular season, man, that man – that he just chaps up during the playoffs, and that is true. That's why everybody says Crosby's better than Ovechkin. I mean, yeah, every I know that was like the big debate for a while is who's better, Crosby or Ovechkin. Well, I mean, so a lot of people judge players off of that clutch time moment, that yeah, big exactly. stage, and if you clam up, thumbs up to you for the regular season. <laughs> but uh, where's the rings? That's why I think <laughs> yeah. it's really important for Cleveland to win this game seven because LeBron could have what he'll be two and six two in and the six, finals. Yeah. yeah, he's got to win. He's got to win. He does. He does. He does. He has to. Here's uh Brian. Uh, <laughs> he said the 2008 Dylan Panthers. <laughs> I'm going to need an explanation. Of That's from Friday like, Night Lights. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was like, what? Did, did Corey Dillon play for the Panthers? Did I miss something? He Jesus. said if only Matt Saracen would have played the entire uh, game. <laughs> With that being said, then I would argue that the uh, Urbana, Ohio, Peewee Cowboys are probably one of the best teams that didn't win a championship. They they ran into those little giants, and then that was <laughs> lights out for – I mean, they were coached by a Heisman Trophy winner, and they couldn't get the job done. Are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> stick them. Stick them. Stick them on the receiver's hand. Oh, dear God. Uh, another super popular answer was uh, any of those early 90s Bills teams. Uh, shout oh, out to Alex Vilnev, our uh, <laughs> hockey expert who uh, loves him some Buffalo sports. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are near and dear to his heart, as well as my uh, co-worker, Jason Fair. He also uh, is from the Buffalo area. And uh, a lot of people agree that those early Buffalo teams, that not one of them winning, it's just kind of like the Braves. They, yeah. they had all those chances, and unfortunately for the Bills, they didn't even come up with the one. But, yeah, That's I guess brutal. any of those uh, Bills teams could be nominated. I remember for cheering for the Bills during those, those Super Bowls. I was pulling for him because I hated the Cowboys. Well, I yeah, Cowboys. yeah. I didn't. I never really pulled for the Bills, but anybody who's playing the Cowboys is a friend of mine. So <laughs> I suppose I would have been considered a Bills fan for any of those. Uh, my buddy Brian said the 2016 Cubs. <laughs> just, I heard somebody else say be... that to me too. He's anticipating that they're they're going down. Uh, my buddy Nick. A uh, huge Cleveland fan. He said the Cleveland Browns went undefeated in 96, 97, and 98. Never even got to play for a title. That's not fair. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I, I let him know by that. 
line of thinking, Xavier's football team has been undefeated since 73. True Never story. Never a chance. So fuck you, BCS. <laughs> <laughs> You're bullshit. <laughs> I also was talking about this at work with some coworkers and was really snarky about it. And I said, well, maybe the 15-16 uh, Xavier Musketeers could go down as that. Couldn't even fucking get out of the second round. Yeah. I know they're not one of the best teams <laughs> in the history. We had a couple of people say the 94 Expos. Yeah. The shortened season. Yeah. yeah. Which Strike is season. arguably. They were like 74 and 40 or something. That like would have that. arguably knocked off it. the Braves streak because yeah. had that not been ended, Braves were in second place when the season was cut short. And so who knows what would have happened. Braves could have come back and, you know, ended up winning it. We would have come back and won it all. But if you go back and look at that Expos team, man, was it stacked. Yeah. They had so, Larry Walker in ish. They like, were, yeah, they were tough. They were good. The, the other team, somebody else brought up the 94 Indians, who, I mean, that was basically the same team as that 95, 95. Indians team. Um, that was also the same year that Albert Bell was accused of having a cork bat, and they put it in the manager's office, and one of the pitchers climbed through the ceiling oh, to get yeah. the cork bat. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that I was the 94 season. Wow. <laughs> so that would have been, I mean, that would have been cool to see those two meet up. That would have been an interesting, an interesting matchup. Uh, buddy Kevin Grady says the 98 Vikings, which that was Randy Moss's rookie year, and that Vikings team was stupid. That, yeah. With uh, Randall Cunningham and Moss and Chris Carter, God. and they Gotta were fall, <laughs> And then ran into the Giants team that just beat the shit out of them in the <laughs> NFC Championship game after they went 15-1. and one. Yeah, brutal. Brutal. Let's see. Uh, Andy, who's a beer expert, we're gonna have him on the show here soon. He said he went old school. He went with the '60 Yankees as the best team to never win. They ran into the Pirates in the World Series, uh, according to his so stats. And we I are the, we are family Pirates, though, wasn't it? Uh, might be. That think, sounds. I think that so. might be. It, the Yankees outscored the Pirates 55 to 27, and somehow still lost four out of seven games. Fuck them. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel. Old for you. I don't feel bad for him. But this here's how stacked those teams were. So the Pirates had Roberto Clemente on the team. Never heard of him. <laughs> the Yankees had names like Yogi Berra, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris. Who are those scrubs? Like the uh-huh. <laughs> the B team. That's, <laughs> that series is. Was Unreal. that the split squad? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's an unreal series. Um, but yeah, I guess. Blame it on Mickey. It was off banging Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Not if, enough focus. If if the the notes we got last week are true, he was apparently getting blowjobs under the right field bleachers. True that. No complaints. No complaints. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody's ever complaining about that. Wait, what? <laughs> Uh, somebody said the 1972 U.S. Olympic basketball team. Oh, that was John Bunyan, local Cincinnati comedian. Um, that's a, I mean, that's a tough one. Everybody claims that uh, the U.S. got screwed in that gold medal game against Russia, which they did. They they let them inbound the ball like three times until Russia finally scored to take the take the lead. Uh, but I would argue the 04 U.S. Olympic basketball team is up there because that's the first team comprised of professional athletes from America that didn't win the gold. Yep. What a fucking embarrassment they are. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I got to say I mean, about those yeah, assholes. No American pride. Yeah, no, I, I love watching the Olympic basketball teams. That was when we were at Xavier. Yeah. 
Yeah, now, and I'm remembering this because we lived across the hall in um, Hussman from some assholes who were rooting against the U.S. team. And I remember getting so mad. How are you going to root against them? Yeah, they, Well, they were specifically rooting against them because, oh, it's a bunch of fucking NBA players and uh, no, it's not in the spirit of Olympic competition that they have these professionals and yada, yada. And I'm like, you guys are assholes. And then I wonder why people hate Xavier kids. That sums it up right there. Douchebags like that. <laughs> there are a couple others. We can uh, we can roll through these pretty quick. Michigan's Fab Five team. Yes, that was yeah. a, that was a good one. Scott, you said the '85 Hoyas. Yes, that's a fantastic team. To, Clearly getting beaten beaten by uh, upstart Villanova. Yeah, wow. And they had been rolling up until that point. Fucking Patrick Lord Ewing. <laughs> Another time he came up short. All those MJ years with the Knicks and even in college. Ah, the classic dunks. <laughs> Somewhere Ewing's like, fuck, I could never catch a break. <laughs> we'll wrap this up with uh, the, the final answer, which I think sums it up pretty good. Uh, pretty much any team that went up against the Jordan Bulls. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, any of those teams. John Stockton and Carl Malone are like, fuck Michael Jordan, fuck the Bulls. <laughs> yeah, Peyton and uh, Sean Kemp are like, fuck the Bulls. Barkley and his band, American, <laughs> fuck the Bulls. The only ones who got away unscathed were those Rockets teams. They, like, yes, <laughs> thanks for playing baseball. We got one. <laughs> Thank you for my two years. <laughs> the Magic are mad about that, though. <laughs> yes. So before we move into Consumer Can It, I did want to. I know we're we're going a little long this episode, but I eh, fuck it. I think that's fine. What do you uh, What do you think, Scott, about OJ Made in America? Oh my God, it's so good. Watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I watched. I finished watching the uh, fifth episode today, and uh, as of this recording, they haven't aired the fifth episode, but they had released all of them uh, yeah. after Tuesday nights, and it was incredible. Um, if you are even slightly interested in OJ story. And it's been told a million times, I feel like by now. And at the beginning of this year, I had engrossed myself in everything. OJ, I went back and watched old, uh, videos from, from the trial. I watched like the opening statements, the closing statements, testimony, anything that I could get that's on YouTube. Um, you know, some of the cross references and stuff. Um, and so I knew a lot about it. And even with everything that I knew, I even went back and read some of the transcripts that I couldn't see video of. Even with all that stuff, there were still things during this documentary that I found, oh my God, I didn't know that. Like, there were moments where it's just like, wait, what? OJ's, you know, dad being gay. Yeah, that I didn't know crazy. that. I didn't know didn't, that. Do we just spoil that for you, Glenn? Sorry, man. No, no, I knew. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I've seen that part, but I yeah, didn't know his dad was that gay. Was crazy. That's what yes. surprised me. The fact that there's yes. an eight-hour movie of stuff from you know twenty over twenty years ago now that you could still sit in back and like what the moment at the end of the very first episode when uh, Nicole's friend says you know she came back from her first date and. She Spoiler had ripped alert. jeans. Yeah, she had ripped jeans. And, uh, yeah. you know, she said he was first a little date. forceful. First date. What the shit? First date. Yeah. Like, you didn't get out then, but, you know, it's, it's whatever. You know, I'm not here to judge. It, it, but it was crazy. And I, I, watching the end of the very last episode today, I actually found myself, and this is how I felt like you know it was good. I felt sorry for the dude. There's, yeah. there's one of two opinions that most people have about OJ. One, he's a murdering piece of shit. Fuck him. 
Or two, man, he's just a dumbass. I can't believe he got himself in that zoo. He blew a shot. And after watching it, I actually feel for the guy because he's a guy that legitimately just doesn't know who he is and could never embrace who he was. And, man, there's something to be said about somebody who just can't accept who they are and spends their entire life chasing something that they can never actually achieve. And you watch fall from the very top all the way to the lowest of lows. And it just... It blows my mind, and I, I felt bad for the dude. Uh, that's that's how I know it was produced so well, is that they could take this figure who, going into it, I, I, I kind of fall on the part of, man, he's just a piece of shit, To You know what? He, I feel bad for that guy. I, I would agree. I still think he's a piece of shit. So here's... Here's my take on this, and I think I think I have. I mean, you and I had different experiences with this. Obviously, I had no exposure to what was going on. I heard about the Rodney King thing, but I didn't know what the fuck that meant. Yeah, yeah you know, we're, and we're, we're all very, young, we're, young. we're very young. Exactly, like I was nine years old at the time of the Bronco chase, so I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand the context of what was happening in L.A. I didn't understand all this tension and all this like LAPD just being pieces of shit and i never understood why people could like cheer for oj being found not guilty i never that never made sense to me until i watched this documentary now and i was like holy shit yeah there was a lot of shit going on and that was more of like wow the justice system can work for somebody of color even if, yeah, they have to have millions of dollars for it to happen, but the fact that it happened once, that's amazing. I didn't know any of that, like that at the time, and Scott, I told you this before, I thought if you were arrested, you were guilty, like that was it. You were, I was told, you're, if the police arrest you, you're a bad guy. So I didn't even think that there was this whole extra portion of, oh, you, they got to prove that you did it. Like that was, yeah. that was I can tell you, I can tell you a lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't I I mean it was it was a very well done documentary. I thought it was amazing. I thought they really set things up nice to show just what the climate in LA was like at the time of the murder and then how that impacted everything following through. I thought it was so well done. Um hats off to Ezra Elderman. That was hands down the funny thing was I just noticed it popped up on my Facebook page last night that I posted on Facebook a few years ago, June 17th, 1994 is the best 30 for 30 ever made. And I had to update that and be like, nope, now it's OJ made in America. That's true. That's the best 30 for 30. I've enjoyed it. I'm half about two episodes left and you stole my thunder. I think they did a great job by showing the climate. I think that's, that's what makes it. You see what it was like when OJ was growing up in the the 60s, the 70s, and kind of see what LA was about back then. It wasn't the land of opportunity for black folk like everybody thought it was. Right. And it shows more about what he was experiencing and everything getting thrown at him that a young college kid gets back then. And you see it today, but not as drastic in public light, per se. Yeah. All the stars he's hanging out with and everybody wanting to be with OJ just being around him and who OJ was. So two episodes left. I can't wait to finish it. It's I'm good, engrossed in it. Just and to go along with uh, how, you know, sad or, you know, the sympathy I felt for OJ, I, overall I just I felt so sad because the whole story from start to finish, you know, between it's like two people lost their lives 
and OJ essentially lost his life, and you know his children lost both of their parents, and so many people lost so many things throughout this entire story, and, and you know, and then that's not to even talk about the the riots and the the things that led to the riots and all the lives lost over that. The entire thing was just so sad when you stop and think about from start to finish how many things happened and. You wonder how many of them could have been avoided if one little thing didn't happen, and it, yeah. it, it's easy, it, you know, it's easy to look back at history and say that for just about anything. It's like, oh, if this didn't happen, then maybe millions of people mm. wouldn't die, or if this didn't happen, you know, the entire course of history has changed. And I look at this entire OJ story, and I just think, what if he had joined up and when you know the when Martin Luther King and the revolutionaries and Jim Brown and all those guys had asked him to take a stand. Would he have ended up where he ended up? Who knows? But I, I got to believe that he wouldn't have. Yeah. It would have changed the entire course of history. But besides, because he decided, you know, no, I, I don't want any part of this. I, I don't see myself as, you know, a part of any race. I'm just I'm not black. I'm OJ. I'm not black. I'm OJ. You see the collateral damage is what it is. Yeah. yeah whole there's, documentary. there's a lot. There's yeah, like, so much it. in the way. It's just everything you see left behind. Like this one man affected so much. Yeah. Of society, yeah, just it's by crazy. That. I just I, I feel bad for so many people involved in this entire saga. I look at like the the two things that stood out to me where it, and and I think we lose sight of this. There's even cases now where people are just like they're guilty, they're guilty, they're guilty, and they get so mad when somebody's found innocent or I, I shouldn't say found innocent, found not guilty. Like we lose sight of the fact that the prosecution has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the person committed the crime. The defense just has to put that reasonable... They don't have to prove that the person it. didn't do it. They just have to prove, hey, there's a possibility that it wasn't this guy. And between the Mark Furman thing and where when he was just pleading the fifth to everything and they, the defense was so good about, did you ever plan evidence? And he was like, I plead the fifth. That right there puts it in a juror's mind. Holy shit, he's planted evidence before. He's probably planted evidence. It's all about here. planting the seed of doubt. Yep, and, and that was enough right there. And then the putting on the gloves. I know it's talked about so much as like the biggest mistake in trial lawyer history. That was hands down between those two things. That's enough for reasonable doubt right there. Yeah, I, there's no like I remember people complaining. I don't remember caring when I was younger, but I remember people complaining about how can you only debate and deliberate for a half a day after this entire trial. Well, that's why. There's two things right there. Those two things right there for me, if I'm sitting in the jury box, I'd be like, well, yeah, that's reasonable doubt. They two, got out lawyered. They, well, they, and I mean, it really comes down to two factors, Mark Furman and the glove. Mm -hmm. it, it, those, you take away those two things, and I think the prosecution actually get wins the yep. case. But because they decided that they were going to lean so heavily on putting Furman up there and making them making him their star witness and the faux pas of trying on the glove, they blew it. And it, I told you this the other day when we were talking about the, the series, it's, it's kind of scary that the criminal justice system in America, uh, allows for people to kind of get off or get away with things or not get away with things based on tiny little factors that may not have anything to do with what actually went down. So you could do something and 
completely get away with it if there wasn't enough evidence to prove that you did it. Conversely, if there was enough circumstantial evidence to prove that you did do something and you didn't do it, you could go away forever for it. And that's crazy. Like, that's a blatant black mark on our judicial system that we champion as one of, you know, the greatest, fairest processes in the world. I think it's nuts that you can look at that and say, no, it, it, it's really not as fair as we think. You you can get hammered or you can get off just based on a few factors. It's all about the human aspect. That's 100%. I see it on a daily basis. It's all about the human, what, what they decide. Yeah. So I think even in our judicial system, but I think that's the other thing that this documentary showed. Even if somebody does get off or this, OJ was never OJ again after that. I mean, people are yelling murderer at him while he's walking down the street. You know, he they showed his agent who lost basically his livelihood because he represented OJ, and they were like, yeah, he'll continue to make that money, and the agent was like, fucking no. no. He won't continue to make that money because... These people that are making that money never killed anybody. Like that's the the fact that all of these people lost so much because even because he was found not guilty. That's it's just crazy to me. But awesome documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Highly time. All eight hours. Do not miss Consume any of it. Consume it. <laughs> I just have to say it. Consume it. I'm Anglin getting an early jump on the consumer can. Yeah, head on to watch ESPN. Uh, you can stream all of the episodes now if you haven't uh, seen it already. Hands down, go down, check that up. Check it out. I'm drunk. I can't fucking talk at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take over from here. Uh, Glenn got us started early with the consumer cannon, so we're going to jump right in. Um, Mike, Mr. Uh, beer of the Year, yep. you got this shipped in. Consume or can the elf beer. All right. I am going to consume Pliny the Elder. I will preface this by saying I am mildly disappointed. I went into this thinking that this beer was going to blow me away. It was going to be the most amazing thing I've ever tasted. Don't get me wrong. It is a great beer. I think it's a, a smooth IPA. It doesn't have as much bite as I think an IPA would, especially for a double IPA. It doesn't have as much bite. But I wouldn't call this the best beer I've ever tasted. I think there's other IPAs that could match up just to this one. Um, with that being said, I am still consuming the hell out of this. I think it's a great beer, and if you ever get the chance, definitely try it just for the the fact that you get to say you had Pliny the Elder. Glenn, you're up as the guest. Go ahead. I'm going to go consume it. It grew on me as we drank more and more. Um, had a little Crown Royal Apple to get the taste buds going, but it's a, it's a delicious beer. It pre-game. Grew, it, a little pre-game. I was wondering what was in the flask. I got a little left for you after the show. You got to sit. But uh, I enjoyed it. It's, like you said, not the best beer I've ever had. I'm not the biggest fan of IPAs, but it's not got the bite to it. I've enjoyed it. It's pretty smooth once you get a couple in you. Okay, so we got two consumes. And Mike knows I'm not the biggest fan of IPAs. I established that uh, when we started the show. And that streak is going to continue. Uh, It's not that I don't like this beer because it's an IPA. It's not because I don't like it uh, because Mike hyped it up. It's actually because... (laughs) Let's face it, Mike overhyped it. Yeah, he he definitely did. Overhyped the shit out of it. But the more I drank it, the less I liked it. I thought it started off okay. 
And I think the fact that it came in with high expectations because it won the awards and the little bit of hype that the mic did give it. Um, and then I've actually had IPAs that are better than this. So I don't know what the award criteria was. It's not a terrible IPA. It's not the worst IPA. If you're not an IPA fan like I am, you know, if it's one of the first IPAs you try, you know, it wouldn't be the worst. It's just that I've had better IPAs. So I'm going to go ahead and say can it. Uh, it's not worth effort to go. It's not, uh, it's not worth shipping, shipping in to your <laughs> house. Yeah. Do not get excited. I, would, yeah, I wouldn't go that in. far and ship it. Yeah, yeah to, to open it on Christmas morning. If I was at a bar I've never been to and they had something, oh, I'll try. Yeah, give me one of If I meet Pliny the Elf, the Elder. <laughs> Pliny the Elder Scroll. There. Yeah, if I, if I meet him sometime, I'm going to tell him, your beer's just average, fucker. And I can that shit. So that's uh, two consumes and a can on Pliny Man. the Elder. We are definitely getting hate mail. That is also... Episode. My first. That can. is your first can. Breaking you, the streak. I just want to point out that you <laughs> consumed Honey Brown and you canned Pliny the Elder. I that, just want to throw that out there. That's that, that, to tell you. It's, <laughs> this beer is. It's, it, it's all about the hype. That, Nobody's coming that. in talking about how great Honey Brown is. It's just a one dollar can of fucking beer. You're like, hey, this is cool. That Pliny. stuck in my wife's head. That Honey Brown. She was the storms like Honey Brown. That was on their podcast. Oh, I've gotten all kinds of shit about Honey Brown, but. I've got shit too because we were like honey brown. I thought we were craft brewed sports. I was like, ah, this is kind of craft brewed, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, so we got two uh, two consumits, one can it on Pliny the Elder. Uh, let's talk about um, the the Golden State Warriors. Let's do this. If the Golden State Warriors, let's do this. Golden State Warriors win Game Seven. Can it or consume it? Ugh, I'm going to consume it. I, 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 I'm going to stick by the fact that I think they've got home court. They've got, right now, this year, arguably the best player, the MVP. And I, I think they find a way to pull it out in Game 7. I don't think it's a blowout. I don't think this will be anything memorable. But I think at the end of the day, Golden State's going to find a way to win back-to-back championships. I'm going to Glenn. consume. What a can it! But I've been, I have been proved wrong before, so <laughs> it's not going to hurt my too. feelings or my soul if Cleveland loses. I'm not from Cleveland, so whatever. <laughs> LeBron will have his another chance, but um, I'm going to can that. Glenn, I'm sorry, man, uh, because I am awful apparently at predicting things, as evidenced by our NHL predictions, and I am also going to can that Golden no. State wins. <laughs> so, so that means that Golden State is probably going to win Game Seven. Uh, I just, I there's something about watching the last two games where I feel like I, there needs to be a drastic change in that Golden State locker room where they get their heads on straight. Right now, it is not there. If they play the exact same way they did in Game 5 and Game 6, even at home, I think they lose to the Cavs. So I am canning it. I think the Cavs take Game 7. And for the record, this won't redeem you because the one was a prediction going in. So if you end up getting this one right versus mine, this is the consumer to can it. So <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. that uh, This doesn't make us even if you get this one right. And I'm actually rooting to be wrong. I want the Cavs to win. You so I hope. Bitch. Yeah, uh, I hope that the Cavs win. But I just want to throw that out there. I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do this last one before we wrap up here. Can it, uh, consume it or can it, that if the Cavs do lose, 
they go down as one of the best teams to not win the championship this year. The 2016 Cavs would be considered one of the best teams to not win the championship. Glenn, go ahead. I'm going to can it. Yeah? Yeah. I don't think they're one of the best teams to not win the championship. Got a lot of people who wanted to see Golden State and OKC yeah. go for it. So That would have been a sweet final. That would have been a sweet final. There's more to say on that, but um, I'm going to can it. I don't think they're going to be one of the best teams to not win it. Scott? Yeah, I'm also going to can it. They are a really good team, but in even in, within the context of the current NBA, I think they're just the best team to come out of the East, which isn't saying shit. I still think, regardless of what happened earlier in the playoffs, that the Spurs were probably a better team than them, that the Thunder were a better team than them. And so if you're looking at maybe being the fourth best team in the NBA, you know, and you've given the Warriors a run for their money, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to shit on Cleveland by any other, but I, I don't even think that they're one of the greatest teams in the NBA currently. So I can't sit here and say that they'll be one of the best teams to not win the title. They'll just be a great team to have won the title if they do, but just they'll be pretty much forgotten if they don't. Triple can. That's how this one's going to go because I agree. I think that uh, it, it's the same argument that I made with college football and the playoff system. It doesn't determine the best team that, that wins it. It's just the best team at that time that wins it. So I think that there are better teams than the, the Cavs this year. Um, I, I just think that the playoffs are – it's just set up in a way where you could be the best team of a shitty division and get hot at the right time and win. And uh, I wouldn't consider the Cavs this year as one of the best teams to not win. So I will can that as well, and that is going to bring – Wait, cons- one quick bonus one. Yeah. I know we, oh. we praised the shit out of it, but – we're all consuming the hell out of consume, that OJ. Consume, yeah. consume, I just want to bring it up again. No, and I'm Stone not Cold un- Steve Austin <laughs> consume OJ made in America. I have not. Yes. I am not on Ezra Edelman's payroll, but goddamn, the man can make Dude, he, a documentary. That was so good. He should win a Tony, an MVP <laughs> award, an SB, a Grammy. A Golden Globe. Whatever Take them all. Sweep it. Whatever award you can give out there, Ezra Edmund should yeah. win it for making a Made in America OJ. It was fucking fantastic. Ray, you know what? Ray Lewis up might, next. I think I might can that. I, no, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would consume the shit out of it. Yes. Triple consume on OJ Made in America. Awesome, man. That's going to do another episode of Craft Brewed Sports. Glenn. Thank you for joining us, Dude, sir. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you for having this me. Appreciate awesome. it. This uh, has been awesome. Real, real quick, you uh, want to promo anything? Your Twitter? Uh, uh, Twitter's at J-U-S-M-E-G-P. Just me, G-P. I got to approve you. I don't want any spam or anything on my page. He does, he does have that block. I got to be, I have to be official. I have an official <laughs> job. Same thing for Instagram. Um, oh, got to okay. approve you on there so. So, if you want to give me a follow, go ahead. I don't do too much on Twitter. I'm more on Instagram. I'm the meme guy. I love funny He retweets funny the shit on me on Twitter. Yeah. So we I, love cra- I follow Craft Boot Sports and promote yes. them. Great, great follow. Thank you for having me. It's been an enjoyable time. Thanks, I really appreciate man. it. Thanks for coming, man. This was awesome. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Craft Root Sports. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Burlon. You can hit Scott up at ScottyK underscore junior. You can follow this show at Craft B Sports. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter. We love when you guys interact with us. Thank you for participating again. Uh, We've gotten a lot of great feedback about that. We will keep doing that. Every Friday you'll see those questions pop up. So follow Craft Brew Sports, Facebook and Twitter, and participate in that. 
Uh, hit us up, review, like, put share. some respect on it. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to end it. Thanks, everybody. We out.